You're listening to Notes from Norwich. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Notes from Norwich. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Jan and Marguerite, and it is the beginning of winter here in the upper Midwest. There's snow, there was ice in the bird bath this morning. Uh, we have turned a corner. and uh, It's snowing here currently. It's just time for a new season. Mm-hmm. We don't have snow here yet in Wisconsin, but it's coming. When it hits the Twin Cities, it'll be here next. So that's okay. God sends us the sunshine as well as the snow, and we adapt to it and shovel it. <laughs> Not the sunshine. We don't shovel the sunshine. Some of us do. Hmm. <laughs> We're talking today about chapter 42, continuing Julian's contemplation of prayer. Where shall we begin? Chapter 42. So she um, states that God wants us to have true understanding in three areas. And this is, she kind of unpacks what happened in chapter 41. The first area where God wants us to understand is by whom and how our prayers originate. And she's referencing there that God is the ground of our prayer. The second is that the uh, manner, the manner and uh, how we should practice our prayer. Um, And this is uh, where I think she states where what she sees the function of prayer being that our will is transformed into the will of our God rejoicing. Um, And in the third area, it is understanding the fruit and the end that we pray to be one and made like our Lord in everything. So here she's, she's, casting a clear picture that like prayer is about working on us. We're not, um, it does away with this, any, any sort of like vending machine God, um, from the outset here. It's, we are not, um, she does not see prayer as working on God, trying to win God over or to do anything. Prayer for her is about transforming us into the likeness of God. Which is just a radically different um, understanding of prayer than I find among my unchurched friends. Um, I, I have had numerous conversations about, well, why do you pray? Like, does God, does God, do does God change his mind based on what you pray? Um, and she, she here, I think articulates pretty pithily what I see as the point of prayer that, that, that I pray to conform my will to God. It's, it's a practice in saying not my will, but yours be done. I think that's not only a tension that I find between my church friends and my unchurched friends, but between um, those friends of mine that are churched, active, devoted, devout Christians with 
a contemplative or mystical orientation and those without. Mm. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who are, who are active, faithful, committed, devoted, um, loving, uh, Christians who really just kind of don't get this idea that prayer is mostly about changing us. And, the, and mm -hmm. I don't think that's, um, any slight on them. And I think it is a particular gift for those of, of us. I assume that the three of us are kind of in that court, um, who are really drawn to the contemplative and or mystical side of Christianity that we really perceive uh, that it's very easy for us to see that the primary purpose is that God is shaping us in prayer, not that we are requesting things um, on behalf of the world or even on behalf of ourselves and the people we love. Um, so I'm trying to be non-judgmental about, about that whole side of things. I think it's very natural for, for people to assume that the primary purpose of talking to God is to ask for things from God. Um, and I don't know if that's so much a lack of sophistication or a lack of awareness or a lack of maturity as it is um, maybe just a, a, a natural way for some people to be, but not for other people. Um, Yeah, I think it's a natural way for people to be that if they think there is a God who created the world and loves us and is watching us, that for them to reach out to that God, it is it is virtuous and unselfish of them to say, please, dear God, help Uncle Bill with his job problems, or please help um, this country that's in turmoil, or please, you know, end COVID or that sort of thing. I mean, I think that that is, that's, that's just a natural impulse of people to say to, you know, to ask God for things, um, especially for things for, for others that they love and to remember um, to remember people, to remember people before God that they that they care about, and and I think that's, I think that's where it begins and ends for a lot of people in terms of praying, and of course, then if they, if the result isn't what they prayed for, then they think, um, well, they could certainly think that well, there is no God. Or they could think that they don't pray well, that there is something lacking in them, either their um, their virtue, just as a, as a person, their sinlessness, or that their prayer itself isn't earnest enough, or or any of those those kinds of things. And it's it's very hard. And I have talked with people a lot about this. Um, it's very hard to. It's very hard to convince people that um, that there's 
that there's another facet of prayer. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God for favors for for yourself or for friends or enemies, certainly. Um, You know, you you should do that because, because I think that God wants us to do that. But the kind of prayer that Julian is talking about is a whole different kind of thing, a whole different um, a whole different manner with God. And it's it's not easy, it's not easy to convince people of. I mean, we say thy will be done every day, multiple times a day, probably. And what does that actually mean? You know, I mean, that can be that there's a, you know, there, there's a giving up of your own will in that, that if people think about it hard, it can be tough. that classic Martha and Mary distinction that uh, that we we come back to and we wrestle with as a as a, a Christian family all the way through our history this balance between the contemplative and the active and it seems as though it's a dichotomy it seems as though you're one or the other um, and I've you know I've heard people snarkily say things about the monastic life or the contemplative life that it's, you know, giving up on the world when what the world needs is for activists who can, you know, fight hard to change things because there's so much injustice and suffering in the world. Um, yet all the sort of the, the contemplative masters, the people who are really, kind of the heroes in contemplative and mystical prayer always make it plain that, that one of the fruits of, of commitment to the contemplative life is the multiplication of love for the world. It's not a renunciation of, of the world, but, um, but a commitment to see God as truly as possible so that you can see the world as God sees it. Um, as I was listening to you talk just now, Marguerite, I um, was brought to mind of Jesus's commentary to the disciples about the faith of a mustard seed, where they, they can't drive out this demon. The disciples can't have this drive out this demon and they come and say, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, this is Matthew 17, 20, 21. Um, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Um, and so I hear, you know, things like this occasionally, these these sorts of things that Jesus says, where whatever you pray will be given to you. And people say, well, then I prayed for that thing and it wasn't given to me. And the kind of the spiritual director hat that, that I put on sometimes always makes me want to say, well, does that mean that you don't have the faith of a mustard seed? 
um, which is a little bit of a harsh thing to say because um, you don't want to introduce this idea that faith is something quantifiable that they can earn and they have to try harder to be worthy of, of having their prayers heard. But it does introduce this idea that that faith is a gift from God that is cultivated over time and is not something like you, it is not, every request is not granted simply because it's asked. Um, and so in that sense, the, the, you know, maybe, maybe what Jesus is encouraging us to do is to say to the disciples, you know, if you if you were able to see things the way God wants you to see them, you'd realize that the mountain is exactly where it needs to be, and you don't need to ask it to move. You're the one who has a problem <laughs> with the mountain, um, right? So I don't know. It's a wrestling. It's a wrestling. Well, and Julian touches on this uh, this thing of like, what what do we do when we believe we've not received a request? Um, and she, like, we either wait for a better time or for more grace or for a better gift. Um, and then pulls us into, I think the more fundamental thing that we are to dwell on that God is existence itself. Um, so I, the first time I read through the revelations, I, I read this bit about, um, about prayer being about transforming ourselves and like conforming ourselves to God. And it felt like um, I was almost not supposed to pray for things. And I, I'm grateful that you, you named that it is good to pray for things, Marguerite. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm wrestling with like how, how does Julian understand praying for things in relation to this fundamental um, object of prayer, which is that God is the ground of all being? Um, are they different kinds of prayer? I, or are they different? Are they dimensions of the same kind of prayer? Um, I, I, my my gut would be to say that well, there's intercessory and petition prayer, and then there's a contemplative prayer, um, and so like they're just different kinds of prayer, and that she's in, like inviting us to to practice contemplative prayer, um, which maybe there's something to that, but this this bit where she like follows she responds to this. We're not receiving things that we have asked. Um, and she responds to that by reminding us that God is existence itself. And so that makes me wonder, is it, uh, is this actually, is this contemplative prayer actually what's going on in her mind with intercessory and petitional prayer? Mm. Um so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand like what, how does she, how does she understand the different types of prayer or are there even different types of prayer? Because I can, 
I'm quite comfortable with intercession and petition. Um, and um, I have kind of operated on the assumption that contemplation is a different kind of project altogether. Um, but I'm wondering now if contemplation is what she's trying to say the other types of prayer are actually about. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. I think when she talks about giving ourselves entirely to God and putting our will entirely to God without any sense of um, our own personal autonomy or will or anything, it, the more we can do that, the more our petition and intercession becomes that in a way. I mean, the whole thing back to, you know, where Chris was talking about how we're not trying to change God's mind. We're not trying to, you know, convince God to do this because of the uh, earnestness of our prayer or our own virtue. And so God, you know, thinks, wow, there's Jay and he's really, he's so good. I'm going to answer his prayer, but, oh, look, there's Marguerite. And she, she was kind of snotty to somebody today. And so she can just forget about, you know, I, it's, it's not like that. I think that, I think the two kinds of, or the, all the different kinds of prayers kind of feed on each other, but they have to be based on the fact that we know that God is everything. God is existence. Everything comes from God. Every sniffle, every flower that blooms, every wag of a dog's tail, everything comes from God. And when we really know that, and then we ask for you know, for Uncle Bill's operation to go well. Whether it goes well or not, it's still a real prayer because of to how me, every we understand ourselves in is just an expression of I don't know if that's our willingness to too um, much of a stretch. Uh, I or don't not. think that God is going to suddenly take my advice instead of God's own divine wisdom. If I'm asked to pray for um, so and so, I was going to say a name, but then I realized I probably shouldn't for privacy's sake. For this person that I'm thinking of, um, uh, but because I'm commanded to love my neighbor and also to <laughs> love God. Um, I think the very fact that I'm asked to pray and given the duty to pray, she talks later on in this chapter about it being our duty. Um, so me praying to God for that person is, is holding that person in this sort of loving attention of my soul. Um, which whether it changes the destiny of that particular person or not, it still is more love. You know, I've 
taken the time uh, out of the limited time that I have in my life to um, somehow let love be at the forefront of my attention, um, which certainly changes me. I think within the spiritually interconnected nature of the whole cosmos, um, it brings more love into creation. Um, and it is inherently also an act of devotion to God because it's kind of a recognition that, that love, which comes from God is worth prioritizing. So I, so I'm trying to blend the contemplative and the intercessory. Um, and so asking God for something specific is just a way of making my understanding of the imagination of love concrete. I imagine that the loving outcome for so-and-so would be for this, that, and the other to come true. Um, and so it, it's practice for my own imagination of what love looks mm. like. Cause we all know that, that everyone says that they are loving and some people uh, mm. would describe that in a very different way than, than we would. Um, in the same way that everybody says that they stand on the side of justice, but it looks very different depending who you ask. But then also the, so I, I, I think it's important for me to be concrete in my intercessions to imagine what love would look like unfolding in so-and-so's life or in my own life. But then also, as Julian says, the balance between prayer and trust to be able to say, but not my will, but thine be done. And I will accept whatever the outcome is. And if I'm dissatisfied with it, if I recognize and take ownership of my own response to God's actual action, then I can recognize that I'm awaiting a better time or more grace or for a better gift. So the problem is that, that well, it's not a problem, but it's an opportunity for me to realize that my imagination of love isn't what God actually intended. So it just kind of shows that, oh, you know, the light was shining over there and I'm standing here and I need to step sideways into the light. Um, and then I'm a little bit closer and then everything gets better. <laughs> the end. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> So the, the, the particular prayer, the specific prayer is sort of concrete outwork, uh, concrete working out of a more fundamental. Yeah, well, I think I find it uh, easier for me dwelling to, in. If I'm going to pray for you, Jan, and God, I'm going to find it easier to spend that a fair 15 minutes encapsulation that it's actually thinking about um, ways that that might the, turn out. And, uh, you know, dreaming it and not just, um, but that's, um, I think the same tension that I have between 
the ease with which I sometimes find spending 20 minutes in a guided meditation mm-hmm. or somebody is giving me concrete steps and just sitting for 20 minutes in absolute silence. Sometimes I find that very distracting. And sometimes that's fine that I find it distracting. I learned from that distraction, but it's just easier when somebody is putting steps in front of me. Um, and so, I mean, it may be just as simple as that, that it's easier for me to stay engaged when I'm able to think of specific stuff. And maybe that's a crutch for now and decades from now when I'm better at prayer, I'll just be able to hold people in, in kind of formless love uh, within my attention. But yeah, I'm just a beginner. <laughs> We're all beginners. Yeah. We're always all beginners. You know, a friend of mine at church, um, we were getting together at for a prayer group for several years, um, a bunch of us at, at the parish. Uh, and we were talking about prayer. I mean, really, you know, every month or every couple of weeks for four years or so. So it was quite intense. Um, anyway, she we were talking about different people that we were praying for and why, and just going through the whole conversation. And she said this thing that has stayed with me all these years, which was how can we just pray for these people? How, why can't we pray for everyone? And of course that's true, but it just, you know, she felt it so strongly and it's just it's just made me think, not that I have ever stopped praying for specific people. I mean, I have lists of people that I pray for and and I'm on lists too. But the idea of praying for everyone, the idea of that just opening it up and telling God to just hold everyone, I mean, how can that be? It seemed like she, at the time, people couldn't grasp it. You know, people couldn't, um, they thought it was too easy or maybe childish or maybe naive or something or just too general or a cop-out or something. There, There were objections to it, unspoken objections to it. And I just, I'm just trying to imagine where she was coming from and how that, you know, and how that is. And I find myself sometimes when I'm praying, just sort of shoving everyone out the window, so to speak, and just saying to God, just, just everyone, you know, there's, there's no way that God isn't thinking about every single one of us every minute of the day. And well, I think God, God's eye can know be on that. The sparrow, I mean, and she she knows I, that. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. She she knows things that. that need to be thought and of. I don't think all of us do. Who need to be loved? Mm-hmm. And that's my own creaturely limitation, maybe. But God has put specific people in my in my way, and I have deeper relationships with some of them than with others. Um, and 
I guess you know each one of them is is its own unique thing, and each one of them could always be deeper than it is. So I, you know, um, yeah, in in my um, prayer every day, I, I'm praying for all sorts of categories of people. But um, then, you know, if if uh, this one person says uh, this. I'm having this difficult thing happen. Will you pray for me? I'm, I, I'm not going to say, well, you know, I already lumped you in with everybody in the nation. <laughs> so you're taking care, you know, um, and I know that's not what you're saying, but I, it's that it's, um, it's this tension that we wrestle with in, in architecture, liturgy, spirituality as a whole, the tension between the transcendence of God, this kind of, cosmic everywhereness of God and then the imminence of God, this like this notion of God is just being personal and direct and intimate and right here with us. And we've never been able to get that balance. We've never been able to fully embrace both of those at any age in, you know, sweeping Christian history. You can trace it like in architecture, like as the different decades unfold, our architecture is emphasizing one or the other because we can't get them both going at the same time. So, I mean, I'm, uh, but if somebody says, I feel as though my prayer is really drawn to cast the widest net as possible, then I, I have to suppose that God has given that person that particular gift. Um, but I'm not surprised that other people would say, that's not right. Um, I think it is, but I think it's easy to see why somebody would be skeptical of it. I think it's just because it's not, not as common. What do you think Julian would say to people who evaluate their prayer life as poor or lacking? Now, a lot of people say this. They say that they have trouble praying. And, I mean, this whole chapter is is her answer to that in many ways, but But it seems that it seems that it seems that people feel a lack in their prayer life. And is that because of what? I mean, is that because they feel that their that their will is not is not strong enough or that their prayers are poor, or do they feel that they're asking for the wrong thing? Say, or do they yes, feel that they're just not life is weak holy too. enough? Isn't it wonderful? Or what, that God prays you know, what for is us the answer to someone who says that the their need. prayer life is But maybe that's because I've just been rereading Teresa of Avila, and she basically says that in chapter, in book five of The Interior Castle, that it's <laughs> one of the uh, signs that you're on the right track in prayer 
that the closer you get to God, um, you are objectively making progress in the spiritual life and drawing closer to union with God. But one of the subjective side effects of that is that the closer you are to God, the more you realize how unlike God you are. And so the subjective feeling is that is that, that you have this growing sense of your own unworthiness, your own sinfulness, your own frailty, your own limitedness, simply because, you know, the closer you get to the spotlight, right. the harsher your shadow gets just because the spotlight's right up in your face, um, which doesn't mean that objectively you are worse. You're just comparing yourself to different stuff um, while still moving forward. So I don't know if Julian and Teresa would agree. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation, but uh, yeah, I I think Julian would agree with that. Um, I think Julian might also uh, emphasize that prayer is a gift. Um, God being the ground of our prayer uh, means, I think, that God will provide us with the prayer that we need. Um, that God, if, if prayer, if our praying is a result of God's movement in our life, um, I think Julian would counsel that person, um, to, express their dissatisfaction with their prayer life as prayer and trust that that movement that has led them to even consider themselves, right? Because if somebody is dissatisfied with their prayer life, if they think their prayer life is poor, that is because they want something more. Um, whether, whether they're wanting it out of sheer joy or wanting it because they think it's a good thing. Um, there is, there is a desire that is evident there in their, in their very dissatisfaction with their prayer. Life. They, they want to pray better whatever that looks like. And I think Julian, Julian would recognize that desire as a gift from God. Um, that, and, and point that out to that person that like the, the fact you desire to pray better in scare quotes, um, is evidence that God is planting this prayer in you. Um, and so, she she's always coming back to this idea that like God is doing the things that we ask for before we even have the desire to ask for them. Um, and 
that seems applicable to this, this, this frustration with not praying well, that um, if, and this may be an unfair extrapolation from what Julian says, but if we are, uh, if we're dissatisfied with our prayer, then already God is working to bring us into deeper prayer. I used to tell people that they should pray to be able to pray. And people would laugh at that because it would sound funny. But I always stress that if you ask God to help you pray, that is a prayer that is for sure going to be answered, you know, in, in very, in very clear and obvious ways. What better way what better way to pray than to pray to be able to pray? Because if God is, as Julian says, the source of our prayer, if God has already done everything already from without beginning, as she always says, then for us to pray to be able to pray is is asking Here's for, a, to is asking that we a quote, bottom of page are conformed to God's orange will. book. But I was looking for it before, right. and I found that it a second time. Prayer, prayer is a right understanding that. of that fullness of joy that is to come and with true yearning and more. certain trust. Yeah. In prayer, the tasting of, of our bliss that we are naturally appointed to, in other words, God gifted, naturally makes us to yearn. So God gives us this little what uh, Teresa calls consolations or other people call sort of spiritual graces or spiritual gifts, this good feeling that we feel when we draw near to God makes us want more of it. True understanding and love with sweet remembrance of our savior graciously makes us trust. And thus by nature, do we yearn and by grace, do we trust? So it's twofold progress and in these two actions our lord watches us constantly for it is in our duty and his goodness can assign no less for us so those last two lines kind of indicate to me that god has made it part of the human vocation to be people of prayer and i think that's true even if you're not mm-hmm. theistic you still have this action of prayerfulness in your life. You might not be praying to a good God or even to be aware that you're praying to God at all, but there's this still kind of this extension of the will towards what you believe would be the best outcome. Um, so then she brings it on home where, where we tie in our effort. Therefore it is proper for us to give our best effort thereto, And when we have done it, then we shall still think that it is nothing. And truly, it is nothing. So if someone comes to Julian and says, I feel like my prayer life is nothing, she'd say, yeah, in a sense, but do it anyway. But we do what we can, and humbly ask mercy and grace, and all that we fall short, we shall find in him.
So both both the yearning and the trusting are are from God. Yes. So here's a question. Because God created us. Before the fall. And why did Adam God and Eve create there us? in the garden? What is the purpose of creation? To pray. If not to have that one option is that they don't need to pray God. because they are already living in paradise. Everything is as it is, and they are aware of this. Yeah. Um, and so all that they do is yeah. exist within God's will. Yep. Option two is that they do need to pray because God has created them with a specific vocation to be uh what we find at the end of, well, in, in Hebrews and then at the end of the book of Revelation, that the human vocation is to be a priestly royalty, priestly king, uh, kings and queens, ruling, governing, stewarding creation in God's name and interceding on behalf of the whole creation as as a, a priestly people on in creation's name and that this was what humans were made for. And we've renounced both sides of that, both the kingly slash queenly and also the priestly. And this is what we're trying to recover. Please turn in a 10 to 15 page paper for your midterm. I think I'm inclined to say the latter. Um, and I, I, I want to qualify it by saying I don't think they needed to pray in the sense of there, there was no remediation necessary. Like nothing needed to be fixed. But I think um, prayer is a function of prayer is our function in creation as it ought to be. Um, Prayer, I think, is dwelling in the bliss of God as being. Um, and I, I think there's, there's something to this idea that like they, Adam and Eve pre fall lived this vocation of Royal priesthood. Um, and that vocation is prayer at its base. Now it looks different. I don't know that it would be like, intercession because you know sin's not not a factor yet like i don't like the the structure of that prayer may look different um but i think the nature of the pre-fall 
human life is prayer, like sort of the archetype of prayer. Um, it's, it is our participation in creation as it ought to be. I don't think Adam and Eve were perfect or fully, fully sanctified in the garden. Had they been, they wouldn't have been able to be tempted. They were, they were imperfect at that point. Um, so, so there's that. I think that yes, I mean, I think that they would have been praying to be tempted. Would have been needing to be praying. Would have been naturally praying, praying because everything that they did. Two sides of the same coin, right? And then I'm just spitballing this because it's just and to glorify God, but both temptation or being tempted is to be that way. And prayer Um, rely on this instinct within us that things are not as they should be. You know, which begs the question then at the end of the reason why we pray, especially intercessory prayer, and when we are. Made holy, prayer when we're asking we need for to pray then some kind of change. We'll, we will be just glorifying God all the time is because we will be beyond we temptation if that in change any case, happens Adam and Eve, yes better, i think which that means they that we think that we're not would there have yet. needed to pray before so i would i'm Simply going to say and i might retract this they would if have I sleep on it had that yearning more, for god that all the time. I mean, if they hadn't the had the yearning for God, then I don't were think able they... to be tempted by the serpent meant that the serpent was able <sighs> to, to say, say here's um, an image yeah. of reality. Anyway, that I, is better I think that they, than it they is now. in the garden. And so they say, yes, let's eat it's that fun. fruit and check that out. And that's exactly the same um, faculty, the same capability within us that allows us to pray. Uh-huh. We can imagine the world better than it is now. Uh, and I think that that's actually one of the things that is a side effect of humanity being created in God's image. It's our ability to imagine better. Because um, I don't know if that's a fully developed faculty in the other parts of creation. You know, I can imagine, you know, a squirrel that's being chased thinking, I can imagine a world in which I'm not being chased and that's better. but. That's maybe not as sophisticated as humans can get. I don't know about the rest of creation, though. I know that humans have that ability, and it's beautiful when it's applied in love. So it's terrifying when it's not. I think we would... Mm -hmm. Cease praying for things to change, and we would we would we would be caught up in those modes of praying that we categorize as adoration and thanksgiving. Um, I don't know. We haven't really gotten into this whole kind of categorization scheme that people have come up with through the years. Our own catechism in the prayer book divides up prayer that way. We haven't really talked about that too much. A little bit about contemplation versus 
intercession and petition. But yeah, there's adoration, there's thanksgiving. And I think, yeah, I think the, the end of the book of Revelation, as well as other bits, make it clear that that's, that's the, the characteristic prayer of heaven, right? So now, in, right? in that, the angels in that and the frame of thinking, would we cease praying in the eschaton? They're all gathered around the throne doing something, <laughs> singing, holy, holy, holy Lord. So that's a bigger question. What is prayer? What, wh- how would you define prayer? There's oblation. My definition of prayer is just is an awareness of God and a a conscious reaching toward God. That's that's very general because of the whole pray always pray con- pray without ceasing thing. So my definition has to be um, it has to work that way. Otherwise, I won't be able to pray without ceasing. I think um, I would, I'm thinking about this, this yearning and trust that Julian um, lays out. And I think I maybe would use different words, not terribly different, but desiring God and dwelling with God. Um, And I think the journey towards bliss is the journey of our desire and our dwelling being brought ever closer. Um, as our, as our wills, as our, our spiritual appetites come to yearn for God, 
and we come to have a growing awareness of God's presence. Um, that 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 is the sort of perfection of our prayer. Um, so, like, and I'm thinking about like the heavenly throne room. There is a perfect desire for God that is always at the same time already met with God's unmediated presence. And so it is perfectly satisfied. And, um, and I think about I say that prayer is the me as a beginner prayer, the totality of the relationship my between me and God desire for God sentient is God, really. poorly articulated. Um, and much so of the time. between me and God, there for, exists a relationship. I ask that for is the wrong thing. Prayer. Um, that is, and that, that's that, that journey of asking a slightly different definition for God's it, will to be done types of rather prayer, than my will um, my growing in that and, I think is, um, is an alignment of this desire component. Of God and, and I am not always aware grace and dwelling in the fact that God is present. Little hints and um, suggestions. And so God's for me to grow and, in prayer and all those is things to come back from God. bring this not desire one way from me to fix God. the desire on and God. And then on top of that is and a layer of in my awareness with an S on the end. Um, the specific acts trust uh, in God's that I presence. make that support that relationship. Um, um, and so sort of, sort of riffing off Julian, parallels that, like this, the other kinds of relationships that prayer that is this combination like the relationship of that I have with desire my parents and dwelling. is this kind of a lasting um, thing that exists more or less. I put any effort into it or not. The you know, journey of, of sanctification, the son of my mom, in part entails um, the unification of our time, desire. The quality and our of that relationship has changed. It, it has had its good moments and its bad moments, good years and bad years, good decades and bad decades. Um, and then layered on top of that, there are specific actions that we can do. We can call each other. We can initiate contact. We can send gifts. We can send cards. The little kind of bricks that build up the quality of of the relationship as it changes through time, and that on top it, that is um, the unfolding in time of this kind of noun that exists just between the two of us, whether we attend to it or not, it's there. Now, my relationship of prayer with God is always attended to from God's side. The difference is whether or not I'm putting any energy into it from my side. Um, and it has to be a two-way street. Um, but even those side, those things that I contribute from my side, those are given to me by, by God. <laughs> Um, because everything comes from God, as Marguerite has said. So I think that's how I would define it. It's like a like a bridge that exists, whether there are bricks and steel there or not.
And so we are, yeah, and I think that speaks to the aspect of duty and whether we tend, we attend to this or not. Um, I think so, yeah. Because it, she uh, says, this is on page 79, or 99, sometimes if we understand what God does and we do not pray, find out that I'm a priest, we do not do our duty. And that Very, way it cannot be, uh, that is quick to say, and eager that, to tell me that, they that is not the way he sees themselves it. believe in God, so, they believe in Jesus, they read the Bible. I think this, this, but they don't go to the church trust because they find this may actually be a different, um, different way know, of kind of tackling what she's getting at with um, trust and yearning. That's all they feel um, they need to the, do. This, this pre-exists, this voice in the indissoluble says, relationship so that means that you don't, is there. You, you might. And, and that's what we're called to trust bits in. And, pieces about and we tend God to that Jesus. through our prayer. But you're not really getting um, the whole of what Jesus and so was prayers about. with an S or you would say absent a trust of what Jesus is all about can only be God as existence, God as the ground of all being is sad uh, and doubtful, the, the she says. Challenging but aspect um, of wrestling with an abstract loving human trusting God has in God as the ground of all being practice on falls short as, as well as tending to, to this duty that we have. But I don't say that to, out loud because then to call your parents and um, don't like to, to, to tend to this connection then, and, with specific practices. Um, and then I wonder if that's true or if that's, does that know, seem like a fair is, connection is, to what you were saying? Is that really necessary? Um, or is that just me wanting more people in my church? So it's selfish. Um, <laughs> well, I can, I can totally understand. I can totally understand why somebody wouldn't necessarily want to be part of most congregations, uh, especially if they've been hurt by preaching or people in churches in the past. But um, I hope that everyone who is not currently part of a church congregation will. Um, Give it another try and find a better community for them. Try the Episcopal Church nearby. That's my plug. <laughs> Have we about run through chapter 42? Prayer. <laughs> Thank you.
No, I think it's true. And I think it's been true all through history that, that, that God has created the world to be a world, not a bunch of individual wills and egos getting ideas about how the cosmos works and thinking that they're really cool about it. And I'm, I'm sorry, that's, you know, I'm over the top. You can get out of that out. I think so. We have. I'd like to close with the last bit of the chapter. But we do what we can and humbly ask mercy and grace, and all that we fall short we shall find in him. Thus he means where he says, I am the ground of thy praying. And thus in this blessed word, along with the showing, I saw a complete victory against all our weakness and all our doubtful fears. Thank you for listening to this episode. To find out more about Dame Julian, the Revelations of Divine Love, the Order of Julian of Norwich, or us, check the show notes to this episode. You can reach me, Chris Arnold, the producer of this series, at Apple Tree Pods on Twitter, or on Facebook, you can find the page Apple Tree Podcasts. That's all for now. We'll talk to you soon. May God bless you.